0: Condemned to die, just hanging on a cross, his arms on a piece of wood, and hoisted into the air for the whole world to see and to mock and to ridicule. Crucifixion was an excruciating and shameful way to die. And truth be told, it was a fitting ending for the deception and the evil and the crime that he did. He deserved to be up there. He deceived so many people. Anything that he saw that he wanted, he would find some way to get it. He was so manipulative. Sometimes he would twist people into lies and other times he would take it by brute force. He was an evil man. I on the other hand I only ever took what I needed. You know, food and clothing, that sort of thing. For the most part. But you know I felt like I I felt like life owed it to me. Because it wasn't easy for me. It was hard, you know? My parents and I, we moved to Jerusalem when I was very young. And we used to go to the temple all the time, every week, at least until my mother died. And that's when things got really bad. You see, my father, he became really bitter and angry and resentful. He would take it out on me. I started working for the family business, but it seemed like nothing I ever did was good enough for him. And he just got worse and worse. And everything was always somebody else's fault. It was never his fault. He could do nothing wrong. He knew better than everybody else. And eventually, I was doing all of the work, and he was doing none of it. But he was still taking all the money. So one day, I just got fed up. And I just took the bag of silver that he had, and I, I left. As it turns out, it wasn't very much money. It didn't last very long Eventually I had to eat, you know? But I got, I tried working, to be fair. I got a few jobs. You kind of ended up the same. I started working and I felt like they just didn't listen to me. They, they didn't care about what I had to say. I had so many ideas of ways to make things better, but they just didn't want to hear me. I didn't want to deal with that kind of disrespect, and so I, I left those jobs, and in hindsight, looking back, how selfish and naive was I (laughs) to think that I always knew better than everybody else. I guess the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, does it? And then I got a job for a farmer, and that job was pretty good up until he discovered I was stealing food. And that's when I received my very first real lashing. Lashings were awful. They left these deep scars on your back, that everybody could see. But it wasn't just the scars that were visible. It was, the, it was the shame, you know. I didn't want to hurt anybody. I was so mad. I felt so wronged. I mean, even though I, I deserved it, I, I, I felt like he was so wrong in, in going that route because he could just grow more food and he'd be fine. But there I was with this shame, forever labeled as a thief, with these indelible, deep, unremovable, unforgivable scars all over my back. It was awful. And that was the point where I felt like Yahweh had truly abandoned me. So I just did what I needed to to survive. You know, I would... Do whatever it took. And I would draw the line of what was okay (laughs) just underneath myself. You see, what I was willing to do, whatever I could justify, that was totally fine. But whatever I wasn't willing to do, anybody who did those things, they were awful people. I think we all do that, don't we? We draw that line of morality just under ourselves, what we're willing to get away with. We don't follow God's word at all. You know, I kind of thought about that because I, I knew what the law was. I, I, I'd been to temple, but God's law seemed just so hard and unattainable. It didn't make sense for me to follow it all the time, and so I just made up my own way of doing things. I thought I could just get by and live a life and try to hurt as few people as possible and just live Not sure to what end, but I remember when it started to change. You see, I was walking and my sandal strap broke. This one here just popped right off. And so I needed a new pair of sandals. And so I went down to the Bethesda pool, and there were a whole bunch of clothes there because everybody was in the pool. And I scoped around for a pair of sandals, saw a nice pair of Roman sandals, took off my cloak threw my cloak down on top of the sandals, and went into the pool for a quick dip. Then when I came out of the pool after a couple of minutes, I scooped up my cloak, took the sandals with them. Easy. By this time, stealing things was like breathing. But not two nights later, I wake up in the middle of the night to see somebody rummaging through my secret stash. I bolt up like lightning and he takes off like a shot I go to run after him. I go to grab my sandals so I can chase him. He's taken my sandals. Doesn't he know that I need those? He stole them from me. Those are mine. And I knew who it was too. I knew him. And I mean, to be fair, his stature was so much bigger than mine. There was no way I was going to do anything even if I did catch him. And he didn't, even, he didn't even wear them after. He just probably sold them for some money. I was so upset. I was so mad. I was laying there trying to get back to sleep that night and I had this thought, how weird is it that I was so upset that he stole these sandals that I stole from somebody else not two days ago. But that irony was quickly lost on me when the next day I was, got up and heading out to find another pair of sandals and then I cut my foot on a piece of broken pottery. Started to bleed really bad and it hurt and I just... It escalated everything. I started to seethe. I was so upset. I was so mad. And I realized, I'm not going to let this guy get away with it. I was going to get some revenge. He was going to pay for what he's done to me. So I started to concoct a plan. I started to come up with this this idea. I was going to frame him. And it was a good idea, too. See, there's this this, uh, uh, Commander Claudius. He has this really nice golden statue. He brags about it all the time, but he leaves it in the front room of his house. I figured I would get in there with a good distraction, steal the statue, and then hide it in my secret stash. So when the sandal thief came back and he went through there, he would steal it. And then I would just tell everybody where it was and who had it. He would get arrested, probably lashed. Sweet revenge. Then he would know better than steal from me. So it was great. I uh, went to my friend, and, and really this is the only guy that I've ever trusted in my whole life. And I went to him and I told him what had happened and I told him my plan for revenge and I asked for his help because I needed a distraction and he was the best. And you know what he said? He said no. He said that he started following this guy Jesus. <laughs> we all knew about Jesus. We heard about him. You know, some good rabbi is doing a bunch of good stuff. Really too good for his own good maybe. I don't know. But he said he started following this guy, Jesus, and Jesus, he said that we should love our enemies, not seek retribution. <laughs> love your enemies? He said if, if they take your cloak, you're supposed to give them your tunic or your shoes or something else as well. I don't know. It seemed ridiculous. This guy didn't deserve love. He was a thief. He stole from me. He deserves justice. My friend could not be convinced to help me out. He said that he stopped that life. And I envied him secretly because I didn't want to do this stuff either. I wished I could be a better person. I tried for a few weeks to convince him and he just wouldn't budge. So I reworked the plan and came up with a new idea. But then I had to leak it so that the sandal thief knew what was going on. So I went to, s- to buy some bread for my friend Joseph in the market. Now, Joseph, Joseph cannot be trusted. <laughs> Joseph cannot hold a secret. He's like the worst gossip ever, right? Like he would sell his own mom for a piece of silver. So I went to Joseph, bought some bread, and I said, hey, I got this big thing going on, and I told him the whole plan, and here's the plan. And I said, I'm going to steal the statue with some good timing. I should be able to get in and get out. And then I'm going to run, and there's an alley nearby, and I put a bunch of cloth there, some dirty old rags, I'm going to try to slide underneath those rags and just lie on the ground and hide. So when they run past me thinking that I've run away, the real thing is I haven't run at all and I just wait there. It's going to be easy. I'll just wait there as long as I have to, till morning if I need to. And then when the coast is clear, get up, put it in the stash, and just wait for Sandal Thief to come back. It's going to be great. Well, the twisted smile on Joseph's face told me exactly what I needed to know. He was going to get the information to to who was going to profit from it. A couple of days later was the time for this heist. Everything went very smoothly. My timing seemed perfect getting in. I found the statue. I put it in my cloak. I started to make my way out before I hear, Stop! Thief! So I start to run as fast as I can. Because apparently my timing was not that great. And I ran as fast as I could to that alley. I turned the corner, saw the cloth, slid right underneath it, and covered myself up. And I could hear the footsteps running. And I just laid there as still as I could. And I felt like even just thinking they'd be able to hear. I stopped breathing. I felt like my heart just stood still. And I waited. The footsteps ran by. I heard them yell, he went this way. It worked. They ran right past me. I let out a sigh of relief, and I just waited, and I thought, I've just got to wait here. This is it. This is the easy part. A couple of minutes later, I hear footsteps coming right up to me. They stand inches away, it felt. It felt like an eternity. And then wham! They kick me right in the stomach. I flip the cloth off my face and I see the Sandal Thief. The Sandal Thief! He's right above me! What is he doing here? He's ruining everything. He reaches down, he grabs me and he slams me on the ground and starts to kick me. The, the statue falls out. He sees it. He grabs it. He starts to pull it from me and everything in me just grabs onto that statue and holds on for dear life. He starts pushing me to the ground and I'm just holding on. He's kicking me and I won't let go. And this thought is going through my head. Why am I holding on to the statue? Just let it go. The whole point is that he gets it. But another part of me just didn't want him to win again. He was screwing things up. I was not going to let him have it. That only lasted a couple of seconds before the guards heard the commotion and they were on us. They arrested us and they threw us into a prison cell. And then I was proud of myself that I finally got him. Even if I had to go down too. And then another part of me it's like, what have I done? I lost. This is not the guy I want to be. And I wrestled. Well, as it turns out, a lashing is not the only punishment for stealing a statue from the commander, it's crucifixion. And they took us out of prison. And they led us up the hill. The sandal thief went first. Condemned to die on a cross. Nailed to a piece of wood and hoisted into the air for everyone to see, the world to see and mock and ridicule. Crucifixion was a shameful and excruciating way to die. Truth be told, it was a fitting ending for the life of deception and crime that he had lived. And he deserved to be up there. And so did I. I went up next. And as I was going up, the pain was blinding. You almost couldn't even imagine. But what I was fearing almost more was the shame and the mocking and the ridicule that was to come. I went up, and the mocking and ridicule didn't come. Because there was another man. He was coming to be crucified as well. Everybody was calling him Jesus. But surely this wasn't the same Jesus, was it? But sure enough, they were calling him King of the Jews and the Messiah... And everybody was focused on mocking him. It was like he was taking all the mocking and shame and ridicule that I was supposed to get and he was taking it on himself. They nailed him to the cross and they lifted him up. And I joined in the mocking because I I didn't want the focus on me. I ridiculed him too. If you're so good, why are you here? And you know what he did? Once he got up there, He prayed. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This man was loving his enemies. He wasn't spitting ridicule at them back. He wasn't cursing them. He was praying for mercy for them. Who does that? Who has the strength to pray for their enemies, to love their enemies in the worst of times? And it hit me. I think my friend was right. This must be the Christ, love incarnate on a cross. I think they've made some sort of mistake. Why is he up here? And it was like a flood in my heart. I realized this is the man that I want to be, not who I am, and I wished that I could go back. I wished that I could come off that cross and that I would be able to to make different choices. I feel like if I could go back and just be with my friend again and, and listen more. I wished I could go all the way back. But I couldn't. I was stuck. I realized... That there was nothing I could do to save myself. But if this really was the Christ, maybe He would take me with Him. And I wanted to ask Him, I wanted to say, take me with you, but I was so broken. I've done so many wrong things. And I just realized in that moment that Yahweh didn't abandon me. I abandoned him. And I cried out in my heart and I said, Yahweh, I am so, so, so sorry. And it was like he spoke to me and just said, I will pay your debts. But Yahweh, I'm so I've done so many things wrong. You don't understand. There's so many things. I will pay your debts. But God, I've got so many scars. These scars are not coming off. I will bear your scars. But God, so many of these scars cannot be seen. I will bear your scars. But God, I've lived my whole life just not living for your word or living against your law. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I looked up, opened my eyes, and I looked towards Jesus and fixed my eyes on him. And the other thief At that moment, he shouted out another mocking statement. He said, if you really are the Christ, save yourself and save us. Well, I just retorted. I shouted out, what are you talking about? Don't you fear God? We're up here because we're getting exactly what we deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. And I looked at Jesus and I said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. lifted up his head and he opened his eyes and he looked at me. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. That was the best day of my life. Because it was the first day of my relationship with Jesus. He forgave me for my bitterness. He forgave me despite my anger. He forgave me despite just ignoring his ways. I was so thankful. You know, my big mistake was thinking that I could just do it on my own. Thinking I could make my own way of doing things, thinking I could just make up my own rules, what I wanted to believe and what I didn't want to believe what I thought was true, and trying to do it on my own. And here's the thing, I wasn't alone. Many of you do the same thing with your life. You take and pick and choose what you want to believe out of this God's Word, and you decide to apply whatever you want to yourself, and you put the line of what you think is acceptable just underneath yourself. So you're so magnanimous because you live by your own standards. But here's the thing, to what end? You can't save yourself. You can't pay for your own sins. You need Jesus. He chose to be up there. He chose to go to the cross so that you might have life. He chose to bear your shame and your sin and your pain. To set you free. And it's a free gift. He chooses to just let us come by faith. Because he paid our price for us. It's incredible. And if you're living your life and you're not surrendering your life to Jesus, if you're not trusting in Him as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have faith in Him, come to the foot of the cross. Don't wait. God has been waiting for you. And we all have to come to the foot of the cross today and remember what Jesus has done for all of us. And we rejoice because what seemed like a very bad day of Jesus going to the cross to die has turned out to be a very, very good